0: You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. I am so glad that we are here together. I'm Angie, in the studio with me is Mr. Mark Byrd with Revive Ohio.
1: Good day, Angie.
0: This is kind of an exciting series. I am really enjoying digging into discipleship. I mean, honestly, This is something that just God has thrown into my lap, and it's just so crazy that we're talking about it right now. And I love what I'm seeing over the weeks that we're talking to different people for their testimony. This is what God is bringing to them as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's unanimous, right, Angie? Yeah,
0: it's fantastic. And so we have kind of gone through a couple of different things, the benefits, why we do it, how do we do it practically. And how it's our personal responsibility. If we call ourselves a follower of Christ, he tells us to go and make disciples. Well, today, the pursuit... Okay. Let's dig into what that means.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I want to start in Matthew chapter four and my little study Bible gives this little section, a subtitle called Jesus calls his first disciples. And it's interesting. I want to start here today in verse 18 of Matthew four. Now, Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and i'll make you fishers of men that's an interesting conversation starter isn't it angie
0: a guy he's not really sure they had knowledge of him right but when he found them and pinpointed them and said follow me and i'll make you fishers of men he's thinking what does that mean
1: that's it and i'm looking at this pursuit word right it's two-sided because here's it is jesus pursued them And here's what it says in verse 19. And he said to me, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And verse 20, then they immediately left their nets and followed him. There's pursuit the other angle.
0: Mm. Both ways, right? Jesus,
1: the discipler, pursued them. And Jesus made the disciples and they pursued him. So that's just setting the stage for this. I really want to dig into John chapter 13. And starting in verse 33, I want to unpack this a little bit. Jesus begins to talk about his departure. He's beginning to talk to his disciples about him going away. And he starts by saying this in verse 33 of John 13. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me as I said to the Jews. Where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay my life down for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay your life down for my sake? But most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Of course, we know this passage to talk about when Jesus predicts Peter will deny him publicly. But do you realize that what's happening here, Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for a time when he will be away from them. And he's saying there will come a time afterward that you will follow me and that you are being called now to love one another. Mm. And so he's preparing them to learn how to what? disciple others. Mm. You see what I'm saying? We get hung up in that little piece. Well, this is where, and it's beautifully powerful, where Jesus is saying, you know what, Peter, you're going to deny me, actually. You're telling me right now that you want to follow me and you want to go wherever I go. But listen, there's going to come a time where you're actually going to deny me. But what Jesus is trying to do to his disciples is to remind them there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to be away from you my work on earth is completed. And that's not what they understood yet, but he was preparing them to say, listen, you're going to have to carry on this love. And the way that you do this is by loving one another. And listen, here's how you're going to stand out that you were my disciples, because you have love one for another. And so he's setting the stage for this pursuit thing. So he's basically saying, if you want to be known as pursuing me, you should be known by your love, Mm. one for another. And that's why he's calling it a a new commandment here. Now, interestingly enough, when you talk about discipleship and pursuit, I want to fast forward to John chapter 21. And this is different from Luke 5's version, because what happens in the beginning of this, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter... Although it starts in verse 1 saying, basically, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, because what they were doing was they were out fishing.
0: Because they didn't know what else to do, right? (laughs) Exactly
1: right. Now, what's interesting, and I do have to point this out, verse 14 says, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Jesus is still pursuing his disciples. Mm,
0: Interesting. You see
1: what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's still doing that. And of course, he goes into the dissertation, and you can read this, verses 15 to 17. It's where Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. Again, he's reiterating the same thing that he did back in John 13. He's saying, your love needs to be what you're doing to prove that you're my disciples. And he's reminding them one more time. He's appearing to them and saying, this pursuit thing, if you want to pursue me, pursue others with love. Represent me. He's saying, feed my sheep. Represent me. Feed them with my love. And so this pursuit thing is just a reminder. And this discipleship piece is what? Jesus kept pursuing his disciples Mm. because they were back out fishing, but he kept pursuing them, kept reminding them, feed my sheep. If you love me, if you want to pursue me, feed my sheep. And that's what he's saying to every single one of us. What do we have to feed people with? The food that Jesus gives us, not necessarily physical food, although in some cases that is the case, helping to meet their physical needs, but also spiritual. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. That is how we are supposed to feed people and disciple
0: them. The love piece is very tricky Oh, because we... Mm, i guess put people in boxes we put people in categories we don't want to get involved in their yuck of yeah. their world and that is a tough piece the more i dig into this the more i realize having a heart like god loves whoo that's uh, that's something that we don't even have we can't even capture
1: we can't fathom
0: no and i've been praying to God, would would give me, you know, they, it, the Bible says to give us a heart of flesh. Well, I know I have a heart of flesh, but I want to have a heart of his spirit Amen. and I want to have his spirit guiding that love. And what has happened is I am feeling people's pain. And when you're going through messy discipleship life, <laughs> and you're yeah. doing life together. I mean, that's, that was an interesting thing. And I think a lot of us will balk when it gets tough. It is. And so loving people is hard, especially loving them while they're still in their sin.
1: Wow. <laughs> and I think what's interesting to point out here, Angie, is in verse 12 of John 21, like you're talking about, this is what Jesus did. He showed up. He's already resurrected. Right. He showed up again to where? Where the disciples were, joining them after the place that they were. And that's what he says in verse 12. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. See what I'm saying? So he was actually feeding them physically as well. Hmm. He was joining in what they were doing, right? He was doing life. And then we say this all the time, Angie, and it's almost cliche, but it is. He was doing life with them. How? He went and ate with them. Come Mm. and have breakfast with me. And then what did he do to Peter? He went on to feed him spiritually again. But he's telling him, feed my sheep now. Mm. The same as the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And how many basketfuls were left over, Angie? 12. 12. And how many disciples were there? 12. He's teaching them to feed others, to disciple others.
0: Tell me how we make this practical. Yes, he's pursuing us all the time, even now. Yeah. So, are we to pursue others in love we and are. do the same thing?
1: Right. And so, go have a meal. There is something special about having a meal together, mm-hmm. sitting down, breaking bread. Communion means what? Come and have union. Mm. See so what I'm saying? There's something special about a table. There's something special about a meal. I don't fully understand it, but I just watched Jesus do this time and time again. What did he do again? He said, come and let's have union and let's have breakfast together. Mm. There's something about it, Angie. Everybody's got to eat. So it's a common ground for all of us, no matter... And, and what you said was, man... I don't necessarily know how to do life with people that have a different lifestyle than me or live differently. I don't know how to do that, but everybody eats.
0: Mm, That's interesting. It's a
1: common ground. It's a common place to do a common human thing that we can meet. And then the second part of the Great Commission is what? To teach them to observe all that I've commanded. Where's the best place to do that? Yeah. Yeah. At a place of fellowship, right? Yes. At a place of community. Where
0: there's trust starting to be built.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Well, you would hope anyway, that's the goal. Right. So practically, are we just talking about sitting down and having a meal, or is there a spiritual side of this conversation as well?
1: And that's what I'm kind of seeing here, and what I'm trying to point out in John 21, is he said, hey man, let's come together for breakfast, and then Peter...
0: Let me Uh, talk to you about something. That's the spiritual
1: side. Yeah, that's the spiritual side. Just like Jesus did so well, woman at the well, think of all the examples. He began having a natural conversation at what? At a place where everybody in the village came for water,
0: Mm -hmm. right? A
1: common place Mm. to have water. And then what? Let's move this into a spiritual conversation.
0: One of the things I think that we should probably dig into is we talk about discipleship and immediately I think, Long term commitment. Right. Because it can. But how can we do it in snippets and speak life into people's lives in little bits? Yeah. In kind of a mini discipleship, I guess you might say. Right. So having a meal and just relationship building. Right. That is actually a form of discipleship.
1: Truly is Angie. So let me ask you this: How many relationships do you have with people? Because you know a lot of people, Angie.
0: Yeah, I would say right? too many. And how many
1: of them do? Are there gaps between when you actually see them right. again? Right. And how many of you have heard this statement that says, "Man, I haven't seen you in so long, but man, it seems like we were never apart." Yeah. <laughs> right. Because you pick up where you left off. Right. And I think that's the communion piece. That's the spiritual piece, is you're connecting spiritually. And that's why you feel like you can pick right back up, because your connection is spiritual, even Mm -hmm. though you might be physically sitting down together to enjoy a meal, per se.
0: Well, that really makes my brain kind of swim. So I'm trying to figure out how to put this into my practical life, and I'll... I'll definitely be working on that. Let's talk about our testimony.
1: Yeah, so our testimony today is so exciting to me. Exactly what's happening today with my brother, Jeff Stillings, a dear friend of mine, brother in the Lord, you know, true disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the program.
2: Well, thanks for having me on, Mark. I know that we talk a lot about discipleship and just all the different things that have gone on in my life. And uh, just to give you guys a little bit of quick background, you know, I struggled with drug abuse and alcohol abuse and mainly alcohol abuse for all probably the better part of 30 years. And I knew it wasn't the right way to live. And I knew there was something better out there. And so I reached out to the Lord. I guess you could say I cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered my prayers for that. and, And he touched my life and he took all that stuff away from me. And so as the Bible says to, to whom much is given much is required. Mm. And so since, since that point going forward, I've just felt like I've been called to, to do a recovery Bible study. Uh, The Lord made a clear message to me. When he took that all the way, he says, you need to get involved in the AA community. You need to stay sober. And I didn't really know what it meant at the time, but I do now. And he said, you need to feed my sheep. Wow. And so I'd had a passion, I guess, is the word for a recovery study. And I use the life recovery Bible because it has the 12 steps of AA. It has the 12 steps of life recovery, which is typically NA. And I started out really small, just out of some folks that piqued an interest. And then my one dear friend, Bill Arnold, him and I actually started the study in our garage, and one thing moved to another, and, and now we do it down at the West Liberty First Church of God, and we average, Mark, probably anywhere between 30, 35 people every Monday night, and it's just a good thing, and, and you talk about building disciples, that's what the Bible tells us to do in Matthew 28, and actually. In Matthew 28:19, it says, "Therefore go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, in the in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." So what that means to me is, is that it is my duty as a follower of Christ, who has been touched, to go and make disciples, and to go deal with other alcoholics, to go deal with other drug addicts, to go deal with people who have been caught up in addictions, and I can tell them. Hey brother, I've been down that hole before and I can show you the way out. Mm. And and the study we do is it's a faith-based study and it's all based off the scripture. I mean, yes, of course we we work the 12 steps with that, but it's all scripture-based and it's all about how we can overcome anything through the power of the Holy spirit, through Jesus Christ, the Bible says, greater is he that lives in me than he who is in the world. And a lot of people going through addictions, they don't know that. And mm. so we have to take baby steps and take them through that. And, um, and it's just a powerful thing, man. And, and, and the nice thing about our meeting on Monday is that we have people in there who've been through meth addiction. They've been through cocaine addiction. They've been through heroin addiction. They've been through pill addiction, alcohol addiction. We have people, men and women both, and we have people in there anywhere from a couple days sober to 35 years plus sober men and women. And it's just a, it's a powerful, powerful place of unity when you can pull all those people together. Cause there's not anybody that can walk through that door that I can't say, Hey, welcome brother. I got somebody that's been delivered from what you're going through. Mm. And so, you know, we were, we were joking off the air a little bit about um, I don't have any formal technical training. I don't, I've never gone to any quote unquote minister training or anything like that. And I'm pretty sure that the original disciples didn't have to do that either. And so I figure I'm a street preacher who's been ordained by the Holy Spirit. I know what the good Lord's done for me and that's all the minister school that I need. So when you've already walked in those shoes, it's a powerful place to be able to say, Hey brother, I've been there. I understand. Hey, I know what you're going through. This is what helped me. Let me introduce you to the King. He's the chain breaker. He is the way maker. And, and I can show you a piece of life that you've never thought possible before. And so that's what that's that's what the Lord's done for me and we just try and uh we just try and carry that message to anybody else that wants to come through. And so it's just a powerful place, you know.
1: Yes. And Jeff, so I'm thinking about this as I'm listening to you pour out your heart about that, I'm thinking about discipleship is something that you have to pursue and when you're pursuing something like, not that I have obtained, right, Paul writes. Not that I've obtained anything, but I press on to the mark of the high calling Absolutely. is how he articulates that. Right. What I think is interesting as I listen to you share about that, Jeff, is you are pursuing, you're pursuing Christ. And and Absolutely. discipleship is the part of the pursuit, I guess, that I will, because you're after the Lord, uh, and, and he said, right. seek me while I may be found. And, and that's what I'm hearing you say. Jeff, can you talk a little bit about that? Like how you're in pursuit of Christ and you're taking these guys, gals with you, kind of like a posse. <laughs> you're, you're forming a posse well, because and you're and like, we're in pursuit yeah, of Jesus. It, it-
2: And you're exactly right, Mark. And we are in pursuit of it. And, and like I said, every Monday when we meet and it doesn't have to be Monday, it's any day of the week because the Holy Spirit knows no bounds on days. Um, that is the pursuit because I just want to show other people the peace and just, just the peace and the love that the Lord has given me. And so we pursue that through the word, through the scripture through discipleship, through accountability, right? And that's the, to to me, accountability is a big part of discipleship because as I, as I show others how to walk the way I walk and to get to where I am and to continue to walk, you know, that's like the apostle Paul says, we've got to continue our race. We've got to endure to the end. And so that is the relentless pursuit of discipleship because everywhere I go, everything I'm doing, we are pursuing Christ through whether it's our words, whether it's our actions, the way we live, the things we do. And it just takes me into the recovery aspect of all this because that's just, that's an arena that the Lord has delivered me from. So I think, I think if people in general the Lord has a plan for us all, Mark, and you know that as well as I do. And if we would all just pursue our part, yeah, and what our little part of discipleship is, everybody can disciple to somebody.
1: That's really you good. might
2: not. You might not be doing the same discipleship that I am. Maybe you've never gone through anything as far as an addictions concerned. Maybe you've never been addicted to alcohol, but you still have a life that is able to be a disciple. And so you can disciple other people. If we would all just be obedient to our own personal discipleship, we can cover everybody. That's the beauty of the Holy Ghost. The plan for us, the purpose for us all is to go just like on the day of Pentecost. The last thing one of the last things that Jesus said to the disciples, he said, go be my witness to the ends of the earth, to Samaria, to Jerusalem, Sumeria, Judea, and the end of the earth. And if we all go and pursue our personal Pentecost and discipleship, man, we can get the word out to everybody. That's where the power's at. I don't want to sit around and wait on somebody to come to me. I'm going to go find you. you Mark, you know me well enough. We're talking about Jesus everywhere we go, right. if not on Monday night. Right, and that, exactly. and that's, the whole, that's the whole beauty of it all.
1: And the reason that I put it like this, that you're in pursuit of Christ, because it wouldn't matter, Jeff, if one person came to Monday night or if 35 came to Monday night, your pursuit of Christ would not change because you're pursuing Christ and you're not pursuing people. I mean, you are, you're pursuing people to take them along with you on the boat ride, if you will, right? Get them in the boat. But the bottom line is you're in pursuit of Christ. And, uh, this accountability thing is,
2: and you you said that you said that you hit the nail right on the head, you know, this, this whole pursuit started out with one person, with one person in my barn and then that turned into two. And then that turned into three and then we got too big for the barn. So we moved locations and it started out with a handful and you're right. I will have just as much enthusiasm, passion and pursuit. If there is one person there or if there are 150 people there, that, that doesn't make any difference. The the whole passion of the pursuit is introducing the next person to Christ. That is, that is where the discipleship is. And yeah, you hit that right on the head. Yeah, Jeff.
1: And so I've just watched you walk that out uh, and just... They say love is blind, I guess, Jeff, and I've just seen you be so in love with Jesus that you're just blindly pursuing Him because... He's done it for you. And so when Christ has done it for you, when he has delivered you, when he has set you free, it's like I am in, and I love how you describe this, I am in relentless pursuit of him. Which means if people watching, they would say, man, he just don't quit. He just won't quit. Well, that's relentless pursuit because, but you don't understand what he's done for me.
2: Absolutely, Mark. That's the thing. I know how I used to live, and I know how I am now. The Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. And that, to be quite honest with you, the first few months, my, my poor wife probably thought I was an alien. And I said, oh, honey, I said, I'm full of peace, love, and joy. Don't sweat it. You'll get used to it. And <laughs> she just laughed. And uh, and and now, now, a couple years later, she knows that to be true. But yeah, you're right. I mean, You know, when, when you pursue the Lord like that and the Lord touches your life and whether you're delivered from something or not, when the Lord touches your life, you will never be the same and you can't keep your mouth shut about it. And so if people want to hear it, that's great. If people don't want to hear it, that's great. They're still going to hear it because I know what he's done for me and I want to tell everybody about it because I want everybody to, to be free and, and to whom the sun sets free is free indeed because what he did for me is he got me free from myself. Yeah. He broke me free from self. He broke me free from my change of self of alcohol, of all the other things of the world. And I didn't know it at the time, but I know it now from reading his word. And now I still have the things that happen. Just like everybody else. I just look at it different as uh, brother, Nate Wilcoxon says, we look at things through spiritual glasses now and it that's what keeps the peace. And so that's where the pursuit is because I see so many people that are busted up, broken up, they're trying to get their life right. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to turn to. And it's like, Hey, Hey, I want to jump up and down over here in the corner and say, Hey, guess what? I got the answer for you boys. His name's Jesus because I used to be a wreck just like you, and I'm light as a feather because the sun has already set me free. That's so good. So good, Jeff.
1: Man, thank you. I, I guess I just, what comes to mind is, Jeff, just to say thank you. Thank you for being you, and thank you for allowing Christ to just keep shining through you, doing what you're doing. And I know that's a big thing. You're not doing it for the applause of men, but you're doing it that men might know him. And that's what Absolutely. discipleship and, is, and, bro. You,
2: you know, Mark, that's funny you said that because, because one of the topics that was going to be on my mind for our meeting was the Apostle Paul says, I do not come to please men. I come to please God. Right. Because if I came to please men, I would not preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the thing. When I get out of bed every morning, I don't say, Lord, what are you going to do for me today? Oh no, no, <laughs> right. no, no! Right. I say, Lord, what can I do for you today? Yeah, what can I do for you? Because when you, when Christ touches your life and you figure out what the prize is, the prize is eternity with the King. Yeah, and so when He delivers you and you figure that out, man, you want to talk about being filled with being filled with power being filled with energy. I turned 50 last month and a buddy of mine asked me how I felt. And I smiled at him, Mark. And I said, brother, I have never felt more alive in my life. Amen. And that is the truth. Yes. Amen. As
1: always, time
2: flies
1: and it fleets us. But here's the cool thing, Jeff, we have been blessed to hear your heart, to understand a little bit more about what it's like to be in pursuit of Jesus, uh, and making disciples along the way. So Jeff, thanks for joining the program. And you've been listening to Time to Revive.
0: Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com.
2: The Shine FM Podcast Network.